We want to say thank you for listening. So our sponsors have given some great deals in this episode. Check these out. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Access PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Access PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircraft worldwide. I have personally used the Access system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at access.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With a certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 has also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. Coming up next, we've got a guy coming back for round two. That's right. 100 episodes later, he has returned. Please welcome United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 39, Mr. Steve Hathaway. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day. 
so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. So I've got a, uh, a repeat customer, <laughs> repeat guest, repeat, uh, let's see, victim? I might call you a victim at this point. Come on, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No, oh, this is great. I wouldn't I be doing it. it if it was a victim. Yeah, right? <laughs> not as dumb as I look. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Steve Hathaway, United States Coast Guard, rescue swimmer number 39. He came yeah. on earlier. It was episode six. If you haven't listened to that, go back and just listen to that one again. Uh, it taught, well, man, it was a great case. And you were the very first rescue swimmer to deploy in Alaska for a rescue. And we got it. That's right. Yeah. Love it. Now, Old in our time. conversation there, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> well, not just yeah. a minute ago. Just a minute. Just a minute. <laughs> it but, seems uh, like it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So in yeah. our conversation, you would ask me like, oh, do you want to hear about the one in out of Cape Cod or Savannah or Hawaii and all these other ones? And I'm like, no. And now I want yes. So boom. <laughs> Welcome back, Steve. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> well, so. I uh I'm all about you starting wherever you want. Um again, if everybody wants to hear the beginning of your life and how you got into it, man, go listen to episode six. Until then. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go way back there again, you know. Nope. I was, <laughs> I was born a poor. No, no, I didn't. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All I know is you have some but, other cases that uh, that you guys, back in the day, you guys didn't get awards. Like, it was, I'm going to call us almost like the Finnish border guard. You don't get awards for doing your job. You just go out and do your job. That was. It did. I mean, yeah, we didn't. You know, like I heard one of your episodes talk about Jeff Tunks breaking the seal, you know, finally getting, you know, recognition and stuff. But it, it took a while. They're just like, I got to tell you something. A lot of our pilots were Vietnam era pilots. These, I'm not kidding. We had a lot of our ex-army, either were warrant officers or officers that flew in Vietnam that were flying Hueys and dropping down into hot zones, picking up, you know, uh, soldiers and bringing them back. I mean, and then, you know, here we are jumping into water and grabbing somebody. They're like, that mean, we had commander, Me commander Meade in Hawaii. He was an ex army guy. This guy okay. was, he was a really good pilot and, uh, he's ex army. And I remember seeing him in his dress uniform and he had an air medal. And I, I kind of looked at it and I said, Oh, cool. He's got it. And then I looked at it real close and I'm like, got a 12 on it. <laughs> He's, it was like his twelve. He had twelve air medals, and I mean, he did like three tours in Vietnam. Man, he used to they used to land in the rivers and take buckets of water and just wash out all the blood, and then they go and go and pick up wounded in, in the hot zones and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> See, yeah, but yeah. you would have the you would have these pilots like in Sitka, and they'd take off, and 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 we'd be on a clear day, which wasn't very often, but on a clear day when it's really. They could fly across the mountain instead of following the passes. They would could fly across the you know the uh, passes. I mean through the mountains and stuff, and they'd be down there at treetop level, man. Just and we're just like, don't have a Vietnam flashback. Don't have a Vietnam flashback. <laughs> <laughs> and man, they just be screaming at treetop, and you're just sitting there, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, those guys could fly. Those guys could fly. You you always felt good about it. 
there was a medevac in Sitka and uh, one of the ex-army guys and stuff. And this guy had a dislocated shoulder, you know, no big deal. It was just a medevac. And I was going to jump out and go get the guy and bring him over. And, uh, you know, we're going to put him in the helicopter. They had him laid out. And it was on the top of this mountain. I mean, when I say top in Sitka, the mountains are really steep. And at the very top, there's peaks. And uh, so the pilot comes in. I said, you going to hoist me down? He's like, oh, no, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to land it. And we're all looking at each other like, you're going to land it. There's like, there's no flat. It's a peak. <laughs> he comes in, uh, the H3 comes over the mountain on the peak, comes over it and sets the two, you know, landing gear on the peak. And the nose gear is over the mountain. Like, you're like, holy shit. And I jump out and I run over. And I keep looking back going. Jesus, I, I wish I had a picture. I would have stopped and taken the picture, man. The guy had a dislocated shoulder. He could have waited a little long. I would have turned around and took a picture. It was – so I get him, you know, and I, I put a, put his arm in a sling and then brought him back. And, and it wasn't just a dislocated shoulder. It was it was pretty bad. He had a, he had fallen and really wrecked himself, you know. Okay. And uh, But he wasn't able – he wasn't going to be able to climb down the mountain, you know, because – it was up pretty high. They were up there hunting. And, uh, but anyways, we met about, but I just couldn't believe that. I mean, he just sat there with the back wheels on top of his, and I'm like, God, these guys are freaking good, man. <laughs> like, we were lucky, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Some, uh, some guys like that. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I, when we talked, you know, we, we talked mostly about Sitka and how the program got started and we were the new guys and what we had to do to get this thing roll in and we had to win over the pilots and the crew and everybody, you know, and it, it, it was, you know, pretty successful doing that. But, you know, there were some other cases in a uh, Sitka that were, uh, I mean, we, we flew a lot of SAR, you know, there was, and there wasn't a whole lot of us. So we got to do a lot, you know, you, you look a lot at, I look a lot of these stations down, they have a lot of rescue swimmers. So in order, you know, your duty day, you probably don't stand every fourth day duty. I don't know. I don't know. They, maybe they do, but we were every fourth day, every third day, you know, so we were able to get a lot of SAR. But, you know, I, I wrote a few down, and one of the ones I got to talk about is, uh, and some of these aren't, you know, real hairy that you're going to go, oh, my God. But that's, one time that's we're all a, wait, real, real quick, because that's the greatest part about this is, like, they don't have to always be like that. No, just, I know. They, they're just they're great memories of a great rescue. The one way or aspect or another, they just stand out to all of us. Love it. <laughs> Some of these are just unique, you know. I, I just, you know, I love them. One time we're all standing duty in Sitka. We're up in the duty room watching TV, and it was in the evening and stuff. And then we hear the SAR alarm go off, you know, and we're like, okay. We and when you hear the SAR alarm go off, you wait a second to hear, you know, what it is, so you know how to prepare for it. And uh, it went off, and it said we had a two-car pileup. I think it was in Angoon. And in Sitka, we did a lot of medevacs because there's a lot of Indian villages, you know, Aleut, you know, a, a bunch of Indian villages around, and we supported them. We did all their medevacs and stuff when, they, you know, anyone got hurt or did anything. And uh, there was a two-car pileup, and it came over and said, Sar, you know, two-car pileup in Angoon. And we're, we're all looking at each other. And we knew in Angoon, everyone drove three-wheelers, and there were only two cars in Angoon. I mean, there was a 
<laughs> public safety officer had a truck and some other guy had a beat up car that, I mean, they didn't have any roads. I mean, it was all three wheelers, you know, as, as a village. Yeah. And we're like two car. I said, somebody's in trouble. Someone's screwing around with, you know, that's kind of dumb to, you know, hit the SAR alarm and say that and, you know, pilots are trying to be funny or something. We're like, what the heck? <clears throat> and we're sitting there going, that's pretty funny. Car, two car pile up in Nangoon, you know, that's, that's pretty funny. And all of a sudden we look out the window and we see the pilots running down to the uh, hangar and we're like, <gasps> Oh shit. <laughs> so we run down and we're like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And I said, well, they they had been partying on Angoon in in the villages in Alaska. They're not allowed to have liquor. Um, okay, they're, they're just they, you know they just they're not allowed to because two car pilots have. And uh, <laughs> I guess they'd all been drinking. The only two car pilots. The only two cars had been drinking. Everyone was loaded in. It, it, you know, everyone had loaded in the back of the truck and loaded in the car, and they were racing down the main drag and crashed. And then there was, you know, all these people were hurt and stuff. And we're like, holy crap, man, two-car pile up. It was like, geez. We got there, though. There was a lot of people that we, we made a them back to Sitka. Sitka had a uh, public health service hospital there for the Indians. They also had a school, you know, for, for all the villages to send their kids to. But Sitka was kind of cool. It had a big hospital for, for all the uh, Native uh, um, Alaskans and stuff. So. We brought them back, but it, you know, that, I, we just thought that that was, you know, it was one of those things I thought was funny. Two car pile up. They're like, Jesus. Just out of curiosity, um, when you landed, did was, did you see the cars like on the sides or? No, 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 no. We were, we always land like usually where we land is not near really near the village. They usually have a ball field or somewhere out away, you know. And then we have to. So that brings up another one that uh, in another village. I got to tell you about this guy. He was a corpsman. His name was Johnny Midget, really good friend of mine, but he was one of the best corpsmen ever. I mean, this guy was amazing. And, uh, but he's funny. He's a, he's a, he's a old country boy from North Carolina. You know, his name's Midget. I mean, that's huge in North Carolina. He's, he, his Coast Guard lineage is unbelievable. But, uh, um, but he was a cool, just old country guy. <laughs> just, and he didn't, he had to fight. And it was kind of cool in the H3 because we could bring uh, Corman with us as medics. And I loved it, man, because as soon as you got the guy in the plane, you're like, all yours. You know, it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but so but Johnny, he he never really, you know, he was a corpsman, but, you know, he didn't really think about he was ever going to be flying SAR in Alaska. You know, he was like he, he was a little he wasn't like a swimmer. He's like, let me go. He's like, really? We're going out in that? <laughs> And I was like, come on, Johnny. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, man. <laughs> so one time, Johnny had duty, and uh, we, we land in a village, and um, some guy had um, shot him, got shot or shot him or something like that. And it was, it was really, uh, you know, it was real important that we got there, you know, quickly. So we landed in the ball field, and the public – uh, the the truck comes out with the public safety officer. He comes screaming out, and he's coming towards the helicopter. And we're like, "Stop, stop!" You know, like, "Don't go under the rotor blades." You know, just stop. You know, and the guy comes screaming in and stops. And not only did we take the corpsman, but the doc would go with us too on a lot of medevacs if it was something like this. So we brought the doctor along too because we had a PHS doctor, Doctor French. He was he was really good, nice. and uh, 
So, so we get those two and they had all this gear. They knew they had a gunshot. So they brought a whole bunch of stuff and we're loading it in the back of the truck. And they told them jump in, you know, so they jump in the back of the truck. And I remember standing there watching them drive away and how, you know, we, we kept the rotors turning and stuff and they're hauling ass. And I remember Johnny on the back of the truck, just going, ah! <laughs> he was guy's just doing fishtails, you know, he's going so fast. They hit a dog and the dog goes rolling off, you know, off to the side, but he ran off. He didn't get, he didn't get, he, they hit a dog, but it, you know, he ran off. So he didn't get killed or anything, but Johnny's just like, dang, man, what the, <laughs> but, and then, and then, uh, and then I got another, t- I tell you, there was another case with Johnny. I was on with him and this one was, wasn't as cool, but, uh, there was, we were looking for a plane crash, you know, and we we're been flying up in the mountains, you know, this plane reported overdue and we're searching, searching. Johnny's sitting in the jump seat. So H3 has a pilot and co-pilot seat. And then in the middle through the pass through, they had a seat that would lower down. You could sit in the jump seat and, and look out the front, you know, and I'm in the back and the flight mech and, you know, we had regular crew and, uh, and Johnny was the one to spot the airplane, you know, it was a little dot in the mountain. And he goes, hey, th- what's that over there? And they're like, oh, ooh, there it is, you know. So we go over, way up in the way up in the mountains, and we go, okay, we need checks for survivors. So we're like, okay, you know, I thought I thought maybe they're going to send me out, but they're like, hey, Johnny, you need to go over and see if there's anyone alive. <laughs> and Johnny <laughs> looks at me like, man, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go on, man, don't worry. I said. And then the pilot tells him, don't worry, we're going to do circles and check for bears. <laughs> and Johnny's like, God dang, man. <laughs> so he gets out. He gets out and we take off. And I'm sitting in the door. I'm a gunner's middle out. I'm sitting in the door because, man, I, I did that whenever I could, you know, sit in the door. Oh, and I remember yeah. him looking up at me and I'm like. <laughs> Just waving. Hey, buddy. <laughs> so he, he hikes over. He hikes over. And the plane had stalled or something and it came down and it hit a rock and it was stuck like nose down you know and uh johnny goes over and he radios back yeah he said yeah these guys they're definitely two guys and he said they're definitely deceased you know they're not you know and so and pilot comes back he says okay well we fly around we said we'll come back to that spot you know because you had to hike down to the spot where we could land the helicopter you know and the, and the thing was it was so mushy he had, the pilot had to keep, you know, couldn't land because the wheels were starting to sink in the mud. And so he, <clears throat> so we, uh, we went back over and the pilot says, okay, man, we need to get these guys. And I'm like, oh, really? And so <laughs> like Steve, you know, you need to, you know, you're going to have to, and Johnny says, I don't know. I can't do that by myself. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I get out and I actually bring the avionics with me too. I said, man, let's, Three's better, you know. Let's bring another guy. And so, in the H three, you had the avionics man, a flight mech. So yep. the avionics man, he he did the navigating and uh, radios, but the pilots were going to handle radios. So we got all of us and we went over, and uh, the plane was sitting actually on a rock, nosed on a rock. So it was kind of wobbly. So yep. I ran back and grabbed the trail line, <laughs> tied it onto the tail. And went over and tied it around a rock so it wouldn't flip over and go down the hill, you know. And then we started. Oh man, it was. I, I don't really want to go into details, but 
we got him out finally. It wasn't oh, wasn't pretty. Man. And we got him out, two body bags, put him in the body bags, and then we're like, okay, let's go get the litter. We're going to drag him over to the airplane. But then the uh, uh, the state troopers called and said, no, leave the bodies there. You know, um, we're gonna we're gonna we got to come do a crash investigation and we're gonna pick them up. You know, and we're like, we got them out already. There's they're in body bags. You know. Nope, nope, take them out, you know, leave them there. And we're like, okay. So we left them there and we flew away. And we're like, on the way out, the pilot's going, look, man, we could have had them in Juno 10 minutes, you know. I said, do you have a helicopter on the way? And I said, no, we're going to we're gonna come out in the morning. And we're like, what the F? And at the whole time, the uh, there was an airplane circling and it was his, you know, his wife and family. They were out searching too because they had friends that had, you know, on Alaska, everyone oh, had yeah. pilot license. Yeah. And they heard all this going on and they, you know, I'm like, I can't believe we got to leave these guys, you know, but, but I mean, when we were in there trying to get these guys out, Johnny's like, <laughs> looked at me, looked at me, I said, oh my God, Jesus. it was just, it, it was something else, man. But, you know, Damn. the guy was a rock star. He was a rock wow. star. He was, uh, you know, like you I know, said, you don't get anything for getting guys, you know, they're deceased and stuff. Yeah, so definitely not. That, no. But you know what's hairy. interesting is like leaving the guys on scene like that or leaving the, the bodies there. I'm, first thing I'm thinking about is they're not going to be there in the morning. The bears are coming. I know. Like, exactly what? what we thought. And that's what we were thinking when we got to the plane is like they'll man, be gone. I don't yeah, yeah. You have a certain smell when, you know, death. And, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And that's why we had the third guy. He was, you know, and then the helicopter was circling us the whole time going, you know, we'll come down and scare away any bears or something. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was funny. But that was my, that was my dealings with uh, Johnny and the, and the, um, and there was times too where <clears throat> he came back one time and he was with another swim, but they had picked up a guy that, if, the thing about Sitka was you knew everybody in town. If you'd been there a little while, you knew everybody, you know, and then you'd go pick up guys that were, you know, a lot of, a lot of hunters. We did, we were the only show in town. So not only did we do ocean rescue, we did inland, you know, plane crashes and, yeah. and, you know, hunters that, you know, this the principal of the elementary school had a heart attack. And, oh, wow. you know, it was, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you bring him, and that's why I say Johnny was in the airplane doing CPR on him, and I jumped in, and Johnny would just sweat. He would, you know, had been doing CPR, and, and I wasn't on the crew or anything. I was just, I met the plane when it came in, and when I jumped on board, I said, you know, I pushed him out of the way, and then I, I took over uh, compressions because he, he was spent, you know, because, you know, you've done CPR before. You get, oh yeah, you know, if you're doing it right, you, you get get tired. It man. worked. So, yeah. Yeah. And there was some, there was some other stuff in Sitka. You know, we did medevacs, uh, uh, canneries. There was one of the saddest ones was <clears throat> we went, we took the pot, we took Dr. French and we went to cannery. There's some guy had been working in cannery and he pulled the, the boiling water on him and he had been burned pretty Ooh. much his whole. Yeah. It wasn't good. Young kid, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the cannery workers were college students who would come up and earn the money to pay for their college you know, yeah. in, in Oregon and stuff in Washington, we put them in the airplane. We're going back. And I went back and, you know, we had them, you know, had them all in the litter and stuff and wrapped up and stuff. And he was just talking to me like, Oh yeah, I come up here, you know, 
I'm and I'm like, damn man, this guy's really talking and stuff. And I went up there and uh, I talked and Dr. French was up there and I think, oh, he's doing really good, you know, and stuff. He's not getting, you know, he told me he's from uh, Oregon and this, that, and other thing and all this stuff. And the doc looked at me and goes, yeah, he's not going to make it. <laughs> and oh man, that was like, dude. wow. Like, what? What? Yeah. Cause he had been burnt. They, they're like, he's just, he's, he's been burned too much. He's, he's probably not going to make it. And I don't think he did. So, you know, we had some uh, really sad stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, he had to deal tough. with and, just saying you go back there you know you're talking to the guy and and just you kind of make a tiny little connection and then you find that out and it's like man you know yeah that's tough it is oh there was another tough part about that is like you when like you said you make that connection and then you know you're you're hoping for the best because you've done everything you could to get him to a higher care of health and hope that, that something comes out and next thing you know, you hear it's like infection comes over the body or, you know, something that just right. the body can't recover from. And then they end up passing away and you're like, ah, oh, I, I think it's a little better sometimes when you don't have the, I mean, it was really great to bring a doctor. He, he loved doing SAR cases. He would, he would come in for anything. And I loved it. Awesome. But, you know, a lot of times when you go and you're just the EMT and stuff, you don't know what the, you know, pregnant you don't know you don't know what it's going to be but when you have that doctor right. it's like dang man so yeah and we had i had a guy one time that uh their boat hit a log you know one of the you know they used to do a lot of logging and the logs would be in the water and they hit it and they sunk really fast and i thought it was kind of cool the, we had to there were i don't know like three or four survivors and i went down and got them in the water you know and it like i said it's not a big it, it was a in the in this um wasn't offshore or anything no big waves or anything i just went down and got him and you know one one guy was deceased brought him up <clears throat> but he was i was like butt naked and, and the captain goes dude when we hit that log the boat just turned right over he says it was we were upside down and sunk in in probably two minutes he says wow. it was unbelievable because you know they had forward momentum and when yeah. the log pierced the hull they still had the forward momentum, so it rushed that water, you know, in, and they became unstable and turned right over. And what I was treating the captain for, <clears throat> his arm was all cut up. But when he was upside down in the boat underwater, he had to punch his way out of the pilot house. He had to punch oh, the window no out. Because he couldn't find the door, and he, he was holding on, to I guess, to the wheel, and he punched through the glass, and then he swam out, you know? And then two of his other crewmen were, you know, they had made it out because they were on deck for something. But one guy was down below and he had washed out too. But I guess he had was taking a shower or doing something, you know, he was. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, this guy's not naked. But I mean, we we went and got them. That's kind of stuff you would do, you know, you just cases that you would do, you know, and just go and. and I got to tell you one, though, in Cordova. Damn, Steve. We used to deploy. Well, no, I mean, this is the way it was, man. When you're one and three, yeah. duty, dude, when you're you're the only show in town, you're doing a lot of SAR. And we went to Cordova. <clears throat> Love Cordova, was, by the way. Love it. Yeah. It, oh, no, isn't that fun? On your day off, you go get oh. to hike on uh, glaciers. You yes. go over to the bridge. You know, the bridge. Yes. Fr- and you shoot your guns in the air trying to make the uh, glacier calf, you know, you know, drop. That's like you know. No, what it's are you fun- talking about? <laughs> oh, you weren't allowed. I, you weren't allowed to do that because we all had guns, dude. We was like, 
<clears throat> you go anywhere in Alaska, people are like, uh, you got a gun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you, 44, 38. And the, <laughs> you know, and we go no, down we to the bridge, do you know, where the, where the glacier comes down. And we'd yeah. just be shooting the glacier, watching the ice come up and stuff. And everything. it was pretty cool, man. But Cordova was, it was a cool place. But this is a Loved good it. story. This is a good All story. Right. So I was a flight mech actually on this. Okay. I wasn't the swimmer because the swimmer program, we weren't sending swimmers to Cordova yet. So okay. <clears throat> I went there as the flight mech on a deployment. And uh, so we, you know how you'd go into town and there was one, there was one club called, I think it was called the club or the bar or something like I that. Think so yeah, I think it was, well, back then it might be different now, but it was called the club. And we go in there and they'd have a little band in Cordova, you know, it's it's not big at all. It's really no, it's, small. It is a tiny town. There's one road in, tiny one road out, town. or the boat. Yep. You take the boat in. That, and the only road, the only it. reason the road is there is to get to the airport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> so anyway, so we so we went in, and one of the guys was talking with the band and kind of befriended them and stuff, you know, and you know it's boring there. So then the band had the day off. He goes, Hey, tomorrow. You know, once you come out, I'll give you a tour of the Coast Guard base. You know, we'll show you what we do out there and everything. And the band's like, yeah, man, you know, they got nothing to do. Anything for them, you know, it's like, yeah. <clears throat> so the next day I have duty and we're we're doing our stuff, you know, and all of a sudden it, these guys from the band show up and we're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, man, this is cool. You know, and we're showing them. The hel- we had them in the helicopter, showing them everything. They were real interested. The alarm goes off. It's like, you know, uh, mayday from, you know, whatever. And so we we jump in, do our thing, take off. Well, they got to go in Cordova. Do they up in the hangar? They had like almost like an op center where you could listen to the radios. Yes. Did, yes. They still have that. OK. Yes. Yeah. Or they so they did were the last there. time I was there. Yeah. It's so been, they were up there a couple of years for me, too, Steve. <laughs> okay okay well they went up there and that's where the fm radios were and everything and they were kind of listening to us you know do our safety calls and you know we're on scene and we're looking and it was <clears throat> i mean there was you know huge seas huge seas i got video because um i brought a video camera <laughs> it was pretty cool and there's these uh noah boat just crashing you see waves coming over it so it was like it was big seas out there and uh, we're looking. And then, uh, then we spotted the boat, and it was upside down. And uh, right off behind it were three survivors in survival suits. And so, you know, we went over, and we and I'm I'm like, God, this is where you really need a swimmer because they were all tied together, you know, to make themselves a big oh, target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh man. So I'm in the doorway, and we come into a hover coming up, getting ready to hoist. You know, you know. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, one at a time. I'm like, one, one. And they, I think they got it. So I put the basket down, brought it over. One guy got in. I'm like, oh, good. They understood. So I brought them in. Ended up getting all three in the helicopter. And then we go hover over the uh, boat. And you can see the survival suit underneath. And th- it was the fourth guy. And he had uh, he grabbed some buoys. And I guess... They got hung up on the uh, on something, and when the boat turned over, he had kind of tied them to him so he could jump over and have these buoys. And he was just below the water. I mean, I was like, "Oh my god!" 
Uh, and that's what I was thinking, man, I wish I was a swimmer because I'd go down and cut them loose, you know. But yeah, but he was he was he had been under for a while because we had looked for these guys for a long time. The ceiling was like all really low. You know, the visibility was terrible. And uh, so we take them, we take them back to the base, you know, Cordova. The guys, you know, and they get out, they had the ambulance there. We they went off and whatever we didn't, you know. We're like, you know, of course they were thank you and all this stuff. We're like, okay. And we went back out and, well, we didn't see that guy under the, um, just under the water until the second time we went out and we got really close to the boat. And that's when we saw him because we were searching. They said there were four of them and we got three. So we went out and started doing expanding square around the boat. And then before we left, we went right back over the boat and we were able to see, you know, we hovered for a long time. And I actually have pictures of it and you can see the <clears throat> the guy just underneath. So we knew where he was and we, you know, there was nothing we could do. Dang. So we went back. We went back to the base and we were doing our thing. We were, you know, post-flighting the plane, washing it, you know, doing all that stuff. The, 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 the next crew took over you know, red, the ready crew. Cause we had gone past our, you know, time and, uh, we're like, okay, we're done. So I said, well, what do you want to do? You know, what are we going to do now? We missed dinner, you know, because the dinner time, but you know, the, you know how the galley was there. You could go in yeah. and pick yourself. I'm like, ah, it's going to town and man, let's, you know, let's get out of here. <laughs> so we got the truck, went and got the cook because I mean, you know, I did that whenever I could in the coast guard, man, I'd go grab, whoever i'm like hey come with us you're part of the crew too you know and he he loved it because he was stuck there you know yeah i said come on man come on i'm gonna buy a few beers come on we'll you know go have some beers and stuff so we got to cook and most of the crew and we headed into town we got in there we went to the club and we couldn't get in they were having a uh uh once a year they were having a summer festival where they bring some bands in and you know and they're playing and they're like well you know this is going to go on to like nine o'clock and then we'll open it up to everybody. And we're like, Oh, okay. So we went somewhere else, got a couple of beers. We're eating, you know, and then we're like, ah, let's go back. You know, we're all tired. You know, it was a big day. And, uh, well, let's go over there and say hi to the band and see what they thought, you know? And, uh, you know, cause they were going to be playing. Yeah. So we walked back to the club and it looked crowded. And I mean, when we opened the door, the place was packed. I mean, you've never seen it. You know, you have Cordova. Oh, yeah. It was packed. Wall to wall. People just like. It's like everybody in the town. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, guys, there's guys that came out of the mountains, you know. You know, Cordova, right? They're they're all. They got the, you know, chupuli oil. They don't, you know, they don't take showers for, you know, weeks at a time. They just put that, whatever it is, oil on them so they smell good. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God. We walked in. It was kind of cool. And when we walked in, the band that had come out to visit they were up there playing because they were going to play the rest of the night they just stopped they were and it's like oh what, what's going on is there a fight you know we're looking around you know yeah. what's going on and the guy in the band goes and there they are that's the crew that's what because they had told everybody what had happened in the and before they started they said hey we just want to say something we were out at the Coast Guard base. They say, you know, they were able to go out. And everyone in town had already heard about, because those were three local guys that we had brought back, right? Yeah. You know, they were from Cordova that we had saved. And uh, <clears throat> we walked in, the band just stopped. And they're like, and there they are. That's the crew from the uh, Coast Guard base. And there's the 
guys that went out and, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy God. And everyone's staring at us, man. And all of a sudden I felt this arm go around my neck and I'm like, Oh geez, what's it's going know, down? What we do? What we do? <laughs> you know? And this guy's like, you know, you know the fishermen there, man. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm a big guy. They made me look like a midget, man. They did made me I should say maybe a small person. This guy comes up, <clears throat> puts his arm around me, and I'm like, Oh God, what's going on? He's like, Get up here. You aren't buying a drink all night. And then we get up to the bar and they clear the seats for us. They, you know, so we could all sit down. And they're all yelling, you're going to put their drinks on my tab. No, you're putting their drinks on my tab. And we're like, holy, we had all these shots lined up and we had beers. <laughs> and this guy goes, well, you got to dance with my wife. And it's like, holy <laughs> crap, man. And <clears throat> I got to tell you, man, that was that was better than any any medal or any reward award you could get was with something like that. You know, I'm. I mean, we were sad. There's one guy that didn't make it, you yeah. know, and we did a little of course. Toast, toast to him. And uh, but the three guys, you know, they knew them all. They knew everybody. But what a night! I don't. Oh my god, going home. I don't. I, <laughs> I remember about because these guys are come on. You gotta do a shot with me, and you're like, ah, come on, you know. And uh, so it, the thing is, oh, you know, I, I brought this, that's awesome. I brought this. I brought this cook along with us and I'm like, yeah, he's part of the crew too. You know? Yeah. This guy, you know, and he was sitting there. I think I made his night, man. It's like, he, he, he loved being part of that dude. He was like, you know, you know, make friends. And, uh, oh my gosh. so that, that was, that was very, very cool. But we got home, we called a, uh, one of the other guys who decided not to come with the pilots didn't want to come either. They're like, no, nah, we're staying. And there was one other guy, uh, Gordy, that he didn't drink or nothing or so. He stayed home, and uh, we called him, and he came and picked us up. Because so, there was no driving back. There was definitely no driving back. And you and know the only taxi – yeah, the only taxi guy in town is in the bar with you guys. So you know, there's no taxi down there. Oh, there either. was no taxi. Yeah, and that was <laughs> oh, we had pre- plenty of offers for guys to drive us back. And we're like, dude, really? No. <laughs> But Gordon, he had no – he was a cool guy, man. He had no problem. He came out and got us and stuff. But that was – I got to tell you, man, like I said, that was some of the stuff that, you know, it's fun. It's a fun story, you know. That, so. That's the stuff that makes it worth it, too. You know, I don't get me wrong. I, I love the award ceremonies. I love reading the awards and news articles. But it's stuff like that that you, yeah. there, there's no – you can't put a price on that for both sides, you know. like No, no. No. You know, the community's happy that you've gone out and you've helped them out and you've saved a couple of guys. And then you feel like, yeah, I did my job. And then they're like, yeah. And then, then yeah, drinks all around. I love it. I love it. One day I was, I had swimmer duty and we got launched. There was a boat on fire, you know, guys and why they got their mayday off and it was off of Maine. So we flew up to Pease Air Force Base in Maine and it was zero degrees. It was zero. And I remember we were going to top off with fuel to head out and just walking on that snow. You know how it crunches when it's real cold? I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, this isn't going to, this is not good. You know, we're, I'm walking and it's crunching, crunching, crunching. So as soon as we take off, we're heading out and, and it's so clear. It's just, you know, dry as can be, clear, dry. We take off and it didn't take long for us to see the boat because it was on fire, you know? And uh, so, <laughs> We see the boat. We're heading for it. I go in the back, and I'm like, it's on, 
<laughs> stripping down because there's no way I was going to fly in that dry suit, you know, that, that neoprene dry suit. So I'm stripping down, throwing my stuff on and I get all ready and I'm in the door and we come up and there's guys in a life raft and, uh, I don't know, four or five guys or some guys in a life raft and their boat was over, you know, away burning and stuff. So I'm like, okay, you know, just go get them, whatever. So they went to lower me down. I'm in the uh, harness, you know, the old ones that, you know, uh, look, the old yellow harness that had K-pop in it. Yeah, <laughs> it, I, that's, it was, that was yeah. way before me. I, Dude, I it was. A, <laughs> yeah, I've seen yeah, the relics. <laughs> yeah, the K-pop was always waterlogged, always waterlogged. And so um, they're lowering me down. And you ever been in cold weather where you walk down the hall and went to touch your uh, doorknob and you get shocked? Yes. You know, static electricity. Static oh, electricity. Oh, yes. Yes. And when it's cold, man, it builds up quick. <laughs> so it's zero degrees. These blades are going subsonic through this air. And guess who the ground is? Me being lowered to the water. I'm being lowered down to the water. And I'm like, oh, man, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And I could see an arc jumping from the water to my fins. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. I see this arc. And all of a sudden, the flight mix sets me in, man. I just, you know, I was like, holy shit. I thought my fillings were going to jump out of my mouth, man. I, it hurt so bad. I was like, oh, my God. Well, he lowered me in, but he wanted to get me closer to the raft. So he was going to pick me up and pick me over and drop me again. And when I saw that happen, and I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I said, you're not going to pick me up and, zzz, zzz, you know, shock me every time. So I said, I'll swim. So, you know, I swam over to the raft, and I made my famous, you know, stupid, how you guys doing? You know, I was like, oh, that was the dumbest question ever that could reach the, you know, uh, in there, you know. You know, the guys hey look guys. at each other, you know, yeah, we're in a raft, you know, yeah. off the coast of Maine, and our boat's on fire. Could be better, you know. <laughs> So, so I went right away into my figured out. Okay, that was a dumb question. Okay, quick, 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 quick. Okay, is anybody hurt? You know, is well, you know, who are we gonna take first? You know, so I take one guy at a time, and they lowered the basket, and you know, we loaded them up and got them all to shore. It was all good, but cold. Oh my gosh! And when uh, at one point, because because you know how helicopters are, because there's no wind. When your rotor wash goes out, man, when there's no wind, you have the biggest rotor wash around your helicopter. When you have a headwind, the, the blades tilt. There's actually times where you're not, not even in the rotor wash when they lower you down because there's such a headwind that the blades are the rotor wash is behind you, you know. Right, but right. this day, it was calm as can be, and the rotor wash fanned out. And so once I put the guy, first guy in the basket, he went up. I turned around and looked, and I'm like – Oh my God. The raft had to be a half mile away, dude. It got blown, you know? So I said, no, like, you want to pick me up? I'm, I'm like, nope. <laughs> I started <laughs> swimming, man. Got the next guy. Same thing happened again, you know? And about the fifth guy, I was like, God dang, man. This is kicking my ass, you know? But um, it, was, it was weird because they went to pick me up and bring me back in the helicopter and from pulling all those guys. And here's the deal. When I deployed in, into the water and I came up, 
I had a hood on, a wetsuit hood. You know, you wear your hood and you get your, yep. you know. Everything that came out of the water froze instantly. Froze. It was all, my mask was froze. Everything froze. Everything, you go in the water, come up, boom, it froze. It was unreal. And so when I got back in the helicopter, in the doorway, you know, when they hoisted me and I turned around and I sat down, it was about this thick of ice. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> so I was just going to pull my gunner's belt like I normally do. And I'm like, holy crap. And I started crawling to the back, you know, and then I undo it. But, uh, yeah, we say those guys. But I just wanted to stress how cold it was, man. It was <sighs> crazy. Yeah. yeah. New England is cold. And it's a weird oh, man. cold. It's yeah. not like a normal cold. It's like a bone-chilling cold. It's, oh, it it's just a little different so, than – it's yeah, yeah. Love so it. I go from – I go from Sitka to Cape Cod and I show up in Hawaii and, you know, we start implementing and doing all that stuff, which is a, another story. But I'm like, we went out to our first deployment and I threw, I, I never had worn my shorty. I had one, you know, they issued it to me, but you know, no, actually, you know what we wore? Our UDTs, uh, the brown shorts. Yeah. The super short shorts. And the little yeah. zip up top. What they oh. gave us in uh, Navy rescue swimmer school. Okay. They, you know, when you left there, they gave you a little zipper tie, and uh, that's what we used to deploy in. And I was like jumping in the water; it was warm, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> the water was clear. <laughs> and it was like, oh my god, this is awesome, man. We did a, a one time with Lobs too. We were doing some training where we go out in the life raft because I, I was, I was part of the training team and. I used to tell the guys, even the C-130s, when I go to these meetings, I'm like, we train, we qualify guys. They learn how to drop. We teach guys how to hoist. We do all that stuff, but we don't teach them how to search. I said, you know, we go out on searches, you know, things to look for, that little dot that doesn't go away. You know, I mean, right. I said, there's a, you know, there's a, there's an art form to it and stuff. So I used to, I used to press that. You know, we take a boat from the small boat station. We go out, we bring a life raft, and we put a bunch of guys in it. And then the boat would go away, you know. And then the helicopter and the C-130 would come out and have to find us, you know. They knew the general direction, you know, the general area. And they'd do a search. And the helicopter, you know, they'd be searching, searching, searching. And we're like, man, they should be seeing us by now. And it was really cool because after we did that for a while, the pilots came back and go, that was some of the best training we've ever had. He says, oh, we nice. can't believe how hard. I mean, we knew and it was a calm. I mean, we had big swells and stuff, but we said, I can't believe how hard it was to find a life raft. And then once we did the life raft, they found us and stuff. We would take a swimmer and swim them way away, you know, and they're like, okay, we got a person in the water somewhere around the raft. So the helicopter would come in. They're like, holy crap, man, we can't find them. And then we tell the swimmer on the radio, I said, okay, light your smoke. Boom, you light your smoke. And they're like, oh, there he is right there. You know, and the pilots were like, man, this was great training. Yeah. So one time we're in the raft and I swim way, I was the guy, I was going to swim way away, you know, and Lobstein came with me, you know, we, we swam way far away and we're sitting there and we're waiting, we're waiting for the helicopter to come find us. And, and I look down on my mask, you know, it's super clear there. And I see this huge black and there's some bull sharks there that had, you know, they're, they're pretty aggressive. He has huge black mass. And I'm like, crap. I'm like, Brian, Brian. He goes, what? I said, look, look. He goes, 
foot and it's coming up towards us. And he goes, holy shit. I said, go, go, go. And he starts swimming. I mean, <laughs> fast as he can. And I'm looking and I'm like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. So I turn and I start swimming. And, and that, see, I'm going to tell you my side of the story, because if you hear it from any of the other guys in the raft, like Wilson or, or Estrada or any of those guys, they got a different version. I, I didn't see it this way, but they said I swam and I swam over lobs and pushed him behind. And he was, I said, I said, yeah, that might have happened. I was in a little bit of panic. I said he wasn't going to get in my way, man. I swam, I swam right over him, and I went over and got it. But it ended up being a pilot whale coming up to check us out, you know. And it was oh, like, geez. oh crap, man. Yeah, but you didn't know, man. At the time, it was you know, it was Jaws coming up to eat us, man. That's what I was thinking. And as I we do that training, and the guys would, I mean, we did a lot of stuff. We were in the life raft, and they, the C one thirty would come over and do a message drop. You ever been in a raft when a when a C-130 does a message? So in the back of the C-130, they no. have these little forestry message yep. blocks. It's a, They can write a note in it. You know, say a, a boat doesn't have a, a radio or something. And they can write a note on it, you know, hey, do this, do that. And it has a long streamer. And when they fly over, they throw it out and they try to hit the boat, you know, so they could get the note to whoever were, you know. So they would practice this. And so we're in the raft and they're like, okay, we're going to do a message drop to you guys. And we're like, oh, that'd be cool. You know, so we're all sitting in the raft and here comes the C-130. Dude, they're at 50 feet, 50 feet off the water. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 50 feet coming right at us. And we're sitting there and we're like, this C-130 is coming at us 50 feet. And I'm like, dude, I just kind of backed off. I fell off the raft and I went underwater. I said, oh, fuck, man, this is crazy. This, this is too bad. That's crazy. That's like, crazy awesome. Crazy, man. And, but, man, they threw the message and hit us and then flew off. But it was kind of one of the coolest things, man. I was like, holy crap, man. But, no, that was good training. And, and then we'd have uh, – we'd bring the uh, helicopter in, and we said, okay, we want you to uh, try to hoist to the raft, you know. And that was such a unique – you know, you get bring a helicopter in to hoist to a raft. It's hard, man. That rotor wash yeah. is pushing that thing, you know, yeah. and you – if it's got the top up, it's pushing the top over, you know, yep. and the people are kind of stuck inside. There's a lot of unique things that, you know, you don't want to be your first time experiencing that on a case. You want to do it, you know, in training, you know. Agreed. So, yeah, just come up with all this stuff to do, you know, for them and stuff. And well, we ended up doing that a lot. You know, we go offshore and do it. And poor Pat, man, he's <laughs> he's in the life raft. And I look over at him. I'm like, you okay? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> talk about getting seasick dude people that don't normally get seasick man if you're yeah. in a raft for a while oh, man dude. yeah but I, um, i'm with you on that one <laughs> yeah we we had one time the uh pilots in barbers point you know they lived in officer housing and you know there were some guys from tripler i mean not tripler yeah was it tripler there yeah the big uh, uh hospital Okay. And, you know, there was a heart surgeon guy that knew one of the pilots and pilots says, hey, next time we have a medevac, you know, we'll bring you along or something. You know, you could be really helpful. So there was, there was a medevac, a guy was having a heart attack. And so the pilot calls his surgeon friend to bring him and say, hey, you'll be great. We'll bring you along. But he lived off base. You know, he lived, he called him and said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there right away. Well, you know, the swimmer, I, I just had happened to be there. I wasn't a duty swimmer. The swimmer goes out, brings all this stuff. And, oh, we're not going to need you. 
we're bringing a we're bringing a heart surgeon and he's like uh okay so he comes back it was like a third he comes in and i'm like i was the first class this is before the chief i was the first class but i was in charge of the shop me and kazmarek kazmarek did nights i did days and uh i'm like what this golden hour man what what the hell so I went up and they're like, no, we're waiting for this. He's going to be the guy, you know, he's, he's the most capable, you know, and we're like, all right, you know, whatever. So we're all sitting in the shop in that at, at area and he shows up and the pilot brings him down. He needs a flight suit. And we're like, okay. So we get him a pack suit, you know, we're like, okay, we give him a flight suit, you know, and the guy and the surgeons in there putting his flight suit on. He goes, okay, I'm going to need, you know, IVs, I'm going to need this, I'm going to need that and everything. And it was so funny. Brian Lobbs sat there. He he grabbed a pocket mask, right? Yeah. <laughs> he threw it to the flight surgeon and go, that's all we got. <laughs> he, he threw him a pocket mask. And the guy goes, what? And he goes, oh, yeah, and here's our oxygen. You know, here, <laughs> that's all you got, man. And you're going to go down and put this guy, you guys, you know how to put him in a litter, right? And they're like, he goes, what's a litter? You know, we're like, oh my what gosh. the hell? So there was a learning curve, you know, we had, you know, same thing, new, new pilots with swimmers, you know, we had to, we had to bring them in, teach them, you know, it was like, you gotta school everybody out. Hell, man? You gotta learn I somewhere. know, man. And I'm like, <laughs> dang, man, really? I gotta do this again? Wow. You know? Then of course, you know, like we were teabags again. We were just being, you know, we had to get everybody qualified and everything. So it was, it was pretty cool. We did have a, we had Hurricane and Nikki. And uh, when we were there, but a lot of people didn't hear about Hurricane Aniki. It was in September 11th or not, back in 1991 or something like that. But at the same time, Andrew had hit Miami, and that was all over the news. But Aniki had hit Kauai and wiped it out. I mean, just so we knew this hurricane was coming, but we thought it was coming for Oahu, which would have been really bad, really bad. So what do we do? We, we load all the helicopters up in C-130s and we fly out to the big island, you know, and because we, we need to get out of the way of this hurricane so we could be ready to go after it hits. And, uh, and I had their duty that night. Of the, and so we get to Hawaii, the big island. It's beautiful there. I mean, it was kind of windy in Oahu, but, it, you know, it was coming right for Kauai. And uh, – um, so that night, I get launched out. We get launched out. They heard some a mayday over the uh, radio. So we take off and we start flying. It's it's not it's not nice, man. We're out there just getting jacked around, you know, jacked around. But they they didn't they weren't able to tell us. We're just out trying to pick up a signal and mayday. You know, we're just out flying. We're going wherever we can. We got nothing, got nothing, and then we came back. So it's like you know, three, four in the morning. And, you know, I finally, I lay down in bed and then about six o'clock, I get a knock at the door and I open up and I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm like, what, you know, what do you need? He said, we need load masters. You know, remember I told you there's only like three of us at, at, in yeah. Hawaii. And yeah. so we need load masters right now. We have all these C-130s. Kauai got wiped out. Kauai is like no longer, man. And he said, we need to get, we need to get stuff there. And I'm like, all right. You know, so I throw my flight suit on and I go down and they said, you're on that C-130. And I go over and we start loading generators, the National Guard, water, all kinds of supplies, everything I could get on there. We did, you know, we did, 
you know, I got as many National Guard as I could, the seats we had and stuff. I had to figure all that out, did the load. We take off. They had to go. There was somebody on Kauai had to push all the airplanes off the runway because they were scattered everywhere, you know. And so we land, wow. we taxi in, and it was a surreal thing, man. We land, we lowered a ramp, and st- I lowered a ramp, put the things down to unload everything, and people are just wandering around in, like, days. It's like, you know, like, holy shit, what did we go through, you know? It's like, we're like, oh, my God, this place is wrecked, man. They had all the hotels on the beaches got wiped out. They clocked, because Kauai in the middle is like the Grand Canyon, they okay. clocked winds at like 300 miles an hour going through some of those canyons. It was Holy unreal. Cow. And so, but you know, the winds were like, they, they were being funneled. So they, yeah, you know, they yeah, increased yeah. velocity, but it was so, but it, it was bad. <clears throat> so we unloaded everything. We're like, Holy crap. And everyone, you know, people come up to the plane hey, you got water, you got water. And we're like, yeah, we got water, you know? And so trying to get them all the water we can. I, you know, we had in the C-130, we had water storage things that we never, I'm filling up people's uh, everything I can, you know, we're giving it to them. And then when we had to get out of there, cause the next C-130 was coming in. So we taxi out and we take off. And as we're taking off, I'm looking out the window and I see a sailboat, you know, and it's, it's sitting there upright, you know, the mass is up. It's, it, it, there was a sailboat up and I got on the ICS and I'm pilot uh loadmaster, And they're like, yeah, what's up Hathaway? I said, sir, I see a sailboat down there. And they're like, yeah, so sailboat. I said, there was a hurricane last night. And they're like, oh, yeah. Well, so then we, out of our climb, he left, and then we circled back down. And as we got closer to that sailboat and as we flew over them, you could see it was the mat and all the stays were broken and everything like that. And um, we dropped the radio to them and they called us and like, yeah, we're, we're, my husband's all messed up. We pitch pulled like three or four times. In other words, the sailboat didn't roll this way. It went end over end. And oh they were my in I guess they're the ones that sent the mayday that night, but their antenna was hanging off in the water and it was, it was a real mess. So we called back to the air station and guess who had duty? Lobs. Lobo. So <laughs> they got in the helicopter, came over, hoisted these guys off got all these awards, you know, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so I spent the whole day, man, we went back to the big Island and we're loading national guard, everything we can, water, food supply, flying back to Kauai. We made about, I don't know. We flew until the pilots were in the bag. And then, uh, and I, I didn't even want to tell them about me flying all night because um, I didn't want to, you know, having to go, Oh no, we got to get someone else. They do. There was no one else. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to suck it up and, you know, and so, you know, we taxi back in and, you know, everyone's, you know, a lot, by the time we did the other flights, the, the helo was back and everyone's patting lobs on the back, you know, giving them <laughs> and I'm sitting there walking like a walking into the shop going, Oh my God, man. And so, you know, I've seen 30 guys, you know, a thankless job, man. It's like, you know, but that was that was pretty bad, man. Um, Aniki was that was a bad hurricane, man. Wiped wiped everything out. So and then we had a then we had another case where we had a uh, uh, it was Super Bowl. I remember a Super Bowl because I had worked out in the gym. I went back to the shop, took a shower, and got all dressed. There was a big Super Bowl party going on at the club, and there was a club on Barber's Point, 
there's a club right there and listen, but it was a really cool place. Beer, big screen TVs, outdoor volleyball. It was, it was a really cool place. And I'm all excited, man. I'm going to over shower and everyone's already over there having beers and stuff. And I'm walking across the ramp and this chief yells out from maintenance control, Hathaway. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, chief. He said, you been over there yet? You had any beers? I said, no, man, I'm going to get one right now. He said, nope. <laughs> he said, we need you. We need a, we need a swimmer. We're going to deploy on the back of the, you know, I think it was a Hamilton or something like that. Okay. Um, Jarvis, I think. It was a 378 out of Hawaii. And okay. He said, we need you on the back. We're going to deploy. There's a, uh, there was a big freighter, a big, big ship that had been hijacked by Chinese uh, mafia. And they hijacked the ship, took it in, loaded it with a bunch of Chinese that had paid them to be smuggled in to the United States. Okay. And they put them all down in the hole. They had the people who paid more money were up on top and the guys were, had guns and they were holding these guys at gunpoint. And they started coming towards Hawaii, you know, and, but the, the crew was able to get on the radio and get a mayday out, you know, and, and told, you know, told the Coast Guard what was happening, but it was out of range for the helicopter or anything. So the, so we, I had to run. We ran down there. We got the helicopter on the b- boat, and we're. They had the turbines going, man, all the way. I think you know the the, the jet turbines they have on uh yeah. on the ships. I don't know if people know that, but they're like jet engines. And we were hauling ass, you know, way out. I don't even know what it was near, but we're we're going way out there, man. It took us two days to get there. Wow. And then we're out. We're heading towards this boat. The boarding team is practicing, you know, because we were going to um, hoist them down. We didn't have fast rope at the time, but we were going to hoist them down and they were going to have to, you know, go find the guys that hijacked the boat at gunpoint, you know, whatever, and, and get them. And uh, they, they were practicing, doing all their boarding stuff. And uh, so we get on scene and, man, you could smell this boat before you saw it. It was bad. It had been, it had been floating for like two weeks. And all the people down below, the uh, guys wouldn't let them come above. And there was no water, no, you know, no bathrooms, no nothing. They were all in that hall. Just, it was nasty, man. And there was probably three or 400 Chinese on this thing. And so our helicopter comes in, the boarding team, hoist, you know, they're, hoist, they're hovering over the boat. You know, they could be shot out at any time. And they're hovering over the boat and the boarding team is, you know, they're jumping in. They secure an area They right off the bow. They secure a spot with their guns and everything. And then they threw ladders over and they brought the boats, the small boats over. And then the rest of the boarding team came up that way. And they were able to go and clear all the rooms. And they caught the uh, the hijackers didn't shoot them. Thank goodness. There was no gun, no gunfight. But um, the hijackers, they were able to apprehend them. And they ended up chaining them to the railing, you know, and. And then they are uh, assessing the situation. The boat had, the engine had failed, you know, or, um, you know, it wasn't working or anything. And the boat was just adrift out there for like weeks. And there was, they're out of water, food. It was bad situation. Wow. <clears throat> so we, for the next week, the C-130 from Barber's Point came out and was dropping supplies that we could, you know, we'd go pick it all up in the boat small boats and stuff 
bring it on, put it in cargo nets, and then we would uh, and they drop me on the on the cargo boat. I mean, on the on the ship, and I would we would direct the uh, sling loads over, and I would unhook them and you know unload them, and then you know they go over and grab more, and we do that all day, you know, and uh, um, that was that was pretty crazy, man. And we had you know they were able to we finally were able to get them water and food, some medical attention, and um, it was that was that was a pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool case. So, and now when you're talking yeah. about like, are you talking cargo hook sling loading? Yeah. So you, yeah, you cargo were hook. on. So you would. All right. Well, so I, I want to make sure over. I got they this. Hook... They, they okay, would I'm drop sorry. stuff. Yeah. That's all good. So they would drop stuff out of the C-130 to you guys around on scene. You'd pick it up. The ship would get it out of the water or right. on the ship. We. Then you would sling load it from the Jarvis or the Coast Guard ship to yeah. the other vessel. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were dropping stuff in these Sonobui containers, like blankets and food and water and yeah. spam. And actually with <laughs> uh, spam. Of course there's we, spam. We put a big coming from Hawaii. They put a big <laughs> they put a big thing on there. No more spam. <laughs> They're like these people haven't eaten in two weeks. Spam is not what they need right now. And mostly rice. They were, you know, they needed, yeah. you know, they wanted rice because it was easier on the you know, kind of, you know, eating and stuff. So, um, no, man, we, so with they, yeah. And then, then we spent all day picking that stuff up, bringing it to the boat, going up into the hangar, unloading it, put, and then, you know, then packing it into these cargo nets. And then the helico- helicopter took me over, hoisted me down and started sling loading it over. And they, you know, they wanted me wow. on the helicopter because I knew I was, you know, knew what I was doing. And we, you know, we deliver all this stuff to them and everything. And uh, they finally got the boat, the MKs and stuff, were able to get the boat running again. And, but there was a problem. They didn't know where to take these guys. You know, they're like, we, you know, it's too far from Hawaii. So they had to, had to wait for clearance to take them. And I forget what island they ended up taking them to, you know, but it was, it was, it was crazy, man. It was, um, that was a, you know, that is wild. I was not expecting that one. That's crazy. No, man, that's a, yeah, I mean, we did all kinds of stuff, man. It was like, you know, did a uh, Go cliff Coast rescue. Guard. <laughs> Before we had direct deployment, I did a cliff rescue of the CO of uh, Sand Island, which is a small boat station in, in Hawaii, downtown. Yeah. And he went hiking and he, he was up on a ridge and he climbed down. It started raining and he couldn't get up because the mud and the grass was too slick. So he was on this little plateau. And he had his phone and he called the CO of the air station and said, Hey man, I'm stuck. Can you come get me? And he's <laughs> like, where are you at? And he told him the vicinity and we took a phone with us. And this is, this is back when they had flip phones, dude, their phones weren't that, that good. And, uh, we fly out and I'm on the phone. He's like, Oh, I can see you guys now. I can see you guys now. I was like, well, okay. So give us a location, you know, and, they, and so we were able to finally find him. And they lowered me down with the old sling, you know, they yeah. lowered me down. I put him in a sling, tightened it up, had my sling on and we did a double pickup and came back up. Wow. He was asking, the, he was asking the CEO, he says, can you mark this down as a training flight? I don't want to be in a, and the CEO was like, no, this is a rescue, <laughs> dude. You're, no, you know, it was funny. So oh, that's great. But, but yeah, that's, 
that's that's pretty much why, man. And like I said, we had a great crew. Loved it there. Best station I ever been at, you know, ever. So I had back to back tours lined up, but then I made cheap. So I had to transfer. So Yep. <clears throat> so I um and that's when I went to Savannah. So I was Savannah, you know, I got my Georgia. pick and then I yeah, Savannah. So I went to Savannah and then uh and I I don't know. It did Things would just happen there. I, we were coming back from uh, uh, water skiing the Ogeechee River, and we were. And Dave Lawson and I were kind of racing to go to uh, eat at uh, you know McDonald's or something like that. I don't know where he said where, where, oh, I forget where we said we were going, but anyways, we were kind of right. And he beat me through a light, and I'm sitting there. God dang it, man! You know, I said, man, I got to stop it. So I stop at the light. And I look in my mirror and I see this guy coming and I'm like, oh, dude, 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 dude. And he just ran the light and T-boned this car right in front of me. And I had just got done preaching. One of the things I made all the swimmers do, I ordered them all EMT kits. And I said, when you're off duty, take it in your car, take it with you. You're an EMT 24-7. You know, I said, yeah. just, you know, it, it'll be worth it and all, you know, just carry it with you, you know. And so a lot of them did. And Chad Carlson ended up uh, responding to a rollover and uh, a, a lady and her kids. And he went in and was able to pull the kids out and pull the lady out. And he had his EMT kit and he was treating them when the fire department showed up and stuff. And he got, he got a really nice award for that stuff. And uh, so I was like, Oh good. You know, my point, that's my point, you know, where EMT is for So, so then, um, so I jumped out of my car, grabbed my EMT kit, and I went over, checked the one guy. The other guy was really messed up, the guy who got T-boned. So I'm over there. I'm putting him in the neck brace, and I'm, you know, doing my primary survey, doing all this stuff, you know, getting them. And when that happened, on the corner where the intersection, there was a gas station, and there was a news camera a van, a news, a news, uh, the local news was in their van, and they were getting gas. And the guy jumped out with his camera and he comes up. So he's there before the fire department, anyway, but he sees me, I got my EMT back and I'm going in there. I'm doing all this stuff, you know, and he's sitting there videoing it all. And then the fire department shows up and I give him the vitals. I said, this guy, he's got a hip, he's breathing. Okay. Blood pressure, this, blah, blah. And, uh, and then I just kind of walked away, you know, they took over and they're like, Hey, thanks a lot. You know, and everything. I, I get my car and I go, and Dave goes, where you been, man? I, you know, I'm done. I'm done eating. <laughs> Kenny Rogers, that's where we ate. He says, man, I'm done eating. So I said, man, you made a mistake, dude. I said, there was an accident right behind, right behind you. The guy behind you ran a light, hit somebody. And I, I went out there and did it. So that night, the CO, um, uh, you know, everyone's, you know, they're, they're home watching the news. And there I am out there with the CMT kit doing all this stuff. <laughs> So they got to see it firsthand, and I'm like, I'm like, oh shit! So I got a, you know, what combination medal for, or something like that for it. I'm like, oh man, that was, you know, really nothing. So he saw that the CEO saw that and said, oh, they, you know, good job and everything, you know, came out and congratulate. He said thanks and stuff. Then, <laughs> then not long, uh, Pat Barry lived in this apartment complex that was real low, and we had a lot of rain, and so the apartment complex flooded out. I mean, it was six feet, eight feet of water underneath their apartments. Everyone was stuck in their apartments, and it, it was bad, you know. And so I called Pat. I said, Pat, you going to make it into duty? He's like, no, man. But he says, hey, chief, man, I'm stuck in my house with all my kids, and, and you know. 
and stuff. And I said, well, well, we'll come get you, man. We'll come get you. So someone knew where he lived. I think Dave Lawson knew where he lived. So we take this state bed truck, we fill up a seven man raft and we drive down there and it, you know, it's nasty water. So we throw our dry suits on, you know, that say USCG on the back. Yep. And so we're waiting, we're waiting, we're putting this raft over and we get Pat and his whole family and all their stuff. And we're bringing them back so he could get, cause he had moved his truck out. We're bringing them back so he could get his truck. As we're doing this, people are like, Hey, can you help us? Can you help us? You know? And we're like, oh, yeah, we can help you. So, we pat pat up. And so all day we're loading people up. Well, here comes that news truck again. <laughs> and he's he's down there videoing up. And here we are with these Coast Guard, you know, it says Coast Guard on the back of our suits and stuff. And we're loading, you know, we're shuttling all these people. So it makes the news that night. And uh the CEO's watching it and he's like, What the hell? When did this happen? What's going on? You know, we're on this, you know, because they were praising the Coast Guard for doing these rescues. And so he calls the ops boss. He says, how come you didn't call me and tell me about this, you know, the, the swimmers rescuing all these people? And he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, turn the news on. <laughs> so, of course, the ops boss calls the engineering officer, right? And so he calls me. He goes, Hathaway. And, and I explained to him. I said, man, we went to get Pat for duty, and all these people needed help. And so – we helped them, you know, and, it, you know, here we were on the news, life rafts and Coast Guard on the back. And they're just like, good job. Got, you got, yeah, we kept getting in the news, man. It was like unbelievable, man. It was like, that's what I'm saying. The CO loved us, dude. We could do no wrong there, you know. But like I said, he was a awesome. really good CO. He's the guy. I got to tell you about this. You know, well, so in Savannah, when you came into duty, one guy would go to Charleston. The other guy would stay in Savannah and the guy going yep. to Charleston would pass the other guy leaving Charleston, coming back. So we always 24 seven, we had a ready crew in Charleston, South Carolina. So we have a air station there, believe it or not. It's in, and uh, so we would, you know, just switch. And uh, one time I was in Charleston and uh, we got a call. It was like, I don't know, two, three in the morning. And some old older gentleman was missing. And his wife called overdue, you know, and his boat, his you know, truck and trailer. And he was like 80 years old and he was a diabetic. And she was really worried because he didn't have his medicine for diabetes. And I'm like, he's 80 years old, dude. I'd, yeah, I'd be worried. <laughs> and uh, um, so the boats, they heard about it early and they were out looking, looking, looking. So they finally, they couldn't find him. So they're like, well, we'll call the helicopter and see if they can give us a hand. I'm like, Man, dude, why didn't you call us earlier, you know? But yeah. anyways, they called us. So we take off in Charleston, and it was – he was somewhere in the marsh area. And people used to get lost in the marsh areas all the time, you know? It was a common thing because the boat are low, and you get back in the canal, and it would dead end, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm lost. I made a wrong turn somewhere. You, 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 the road could be right there, but, you you know, you can't find your way. So – um, he had some engine problem and you could tell that he had pulled into this area thinking he could make it to a house that wasn't that far away. So he got out of, it was low tide and he got out of his boat. But what happens in that marsh area, you get what they call fluff mud and it's basically quicksand. It's, yeah. it's like quicksand. You get in that fluff mud and he was trying to walk it and he just, he's 80 years old he probably won't and he was sinking, sinking. So now he's stuck in this mud. 
you know, and that's where he is and his boats back into the marsh. So we're flying and, uh, we finally, you know, we started to go through the marsh area looking for him because we're like, you know, he's not in the boats had plenty of time to look in the, you know, uh, intercoastal. So we're in the, and then finally we see his boat and we're like, so we come back around and we see his boat and we're like, oh, there's his boat, you know, but he's not in it. What's going on? And we couldn't see him because he had mud all, you know, he was, he was blending in. He was camouflaged. He's like yeah, all muddy and stuff, but happened to see one arm going like this, but this arm was stuck and his, his legs were stuck, but this arm he had out and he was going like this and we saw the movement and we're like, holy crap, there he is right there. So we come back around and uh, they lower me down. And I basically, when I hit that fluff mud, I laid down flat because I couldn't walk. You know, I had my, I, you know, I had my fins. I didn't have them on, but I laid down flat and I basically army crawled through the mud, keeping myself wide yeah. over to him. And uh, I had to pull him out. He was stuck. Good. He was really stuck. So I got to him, you know, I said, Hey, how you doing at all? And then he goes, well, I didn't say, how you doing? I learned my lesson. I said, okay, man, we're going to get you out of here. I said, but you know, these old guys, you know, they're tough as crap, man. I thought I found out on star cases. You get an old guy, man. They're usually tough as hell, man. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get you out of here. You're like, all right, man, whatever. So I grabbed them under the arms. I turned around on my back. I grabbed them under the arms and I started, I'm trying to pull them out. I'm trying to pull them out, but he is stuck. So I'm like, oh, crap, man, I can't get him out. So I take my leg and I work it down his leg. You know, I kind of rub, you know, ran my foot right down his leg. And I started working my leg back and forth, back and forth. And then I got my foot underneath his foot and I created like an air. And that, then it was, a, I was able to pull him out. Yeah. And when I pulled him out, he's now he's laying on top of me because <laughs> I got, I'm laying on my back and I got this guy on top of me. And I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? <laughs> and man, you know, our flight crews are freaking awesome. And next thing I know, the basket's like, boom, right next to me, right. I'm laying down and there's the basket. It sits in the mud right next to me. And I'm like, oh, good. So I basically uh, bench pressed this guy. I lifted him up, bench pressed him and just boom, got him in the basket, you know. And when I twisted like that, my back was like, oh, what I do to my oh, back? You know, I'm no. like, oh, shit. And yeah. uh, I threw him in. And uh, they hoisted him up, got him in there, and then came back to get me, and they lowered the hook down, and we were wearing the old harnesses, you know, that went underneath you. And I hooked yeah. up, and they're pulling on me, man, and I'm I'm stuck, so I'm working my legs back and forth. But when they pulled, because of the resistance, my back went, and I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that was perfect. <laughs> so, oh, so now my back's lucky back, guy. <laughs> black line, oh. so we get in. And we took him to the hospital and he, he survived. Everything was good. He was, uh, you know, it, he, he made it and stuff like that. But, uh, we get back and, and I heard you say, and one of the things about having a dirty, uh, you talk about a mess, man, the mud in the back of that kilo, <laughs> that fluff mud, there's little crabs running around and it smelled like sewer, man. And it was like, Oh my God. It's so awful. we spent the rest of the night cleaning the, the cleaning the helicopter but that was that was mud man man so we we got him <laughs> and then uh there was another oh, case off charleston where uh the uh, there was a boat and it was sinking and one of our helicopters had gone out um out of charleston and had gone out and delivered a pump to him and 
because they were taking water on. They were anchored, but they were offshore quite a ways. And it was pretty rough. And um, they left their pump and they were out of gas. By the time they found them, they were out. They were able to get the pump to them and then they left. And so the guys couldn't get the pump started because, you know, most of the time no they couldn't. That's how you get the pump started. Uh, I've, I've watched guys open them and then dump it all out. And I'm like, oh, it's yeah. got a plastic freaking carburetor. You just probably, oh, man. Yeah. You know, and so they they couldn't get started and the helicopter left them. And so they launched us out of Savannah because Charleston was basically in the bag at this time. So, yeah, so we show up. It's at night. It's, you know, I don't know. It's in the morning or whatever. And the waves have picked up. And now the boat's taking on enough water. They were anchored, but the waves were coming over the bow and a wash, washing everything off the back of the boat. You know, it's getting ready to go down. And so um, I had four guys on there. And um, so they put me in the water. You know, I swam over and I said, hey, one guy, you know, one guy, you, you know, I swam over to the stern. And man, there's bait buckets, you know, had, oh, there was bait all gosh. around me. There was those uh buckets of uh coiled up long long lines with hooks yeah and i'm like oh god man (laughs) and so i said one guy and so one guy jumped in and i grabbed him i lowered the basket and i picked him up and we hoisted him and i swim back over and there's three guys they can't swim and you know and i'm like why don't you have freaking life jackets on? You know, I'm like, golly, you know, so three guys on the stern and they're freaking out. Cause they, you know, the last helicopter left, they dropped the pump and, left, and they were afraid. I guess we were going to leave too. We picked one guy up and they're like, so I swam back over to these three guys and they happened to be smaller guys. Thank God. They weren't these huge fishermen, but they're, uh, you know, they were a little bit smaller. And I said, okay, another guy right there, you know, you come on all three of them jump. And I'm like, I mean, they jump. Oh, no and way. Next thing you know, it's like a cat in the water, man. I got these guys just clawing at me, you know. And that's where, you know, to all the young swimmers, where you, you know, you go and do your practicing escapes and releases and you, you get tired, you know, after what well, I did, and, you know, after so many years, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, here we go, escape and release, you know, all this. But you had to do it every, you know, every month, right? Right. That's where, by doing it so much, you don't even think about it. It's muscle memory. And, and dude, I had a guy grab me. Man, I did escape, turned him, put him in a cross chest carry, was able to grab the other guy and grab him and hold him with this first guy. And then I had the other guy with my other hand. And I'm kicking, trying to keep them all up. And they saw this happen in the helicopter. So I, I couldn't give them a, you know, ready for pickup. They knew it was ready for pickup. And so they brought the raft in. I took the one guy. I mean, they brought the uh, basket basket in. So I took the one guy, and I was able to get him in the basket, stuff them in there. And now I had these two other guys. You know, I had one in cross chest, but also had this other guy. And uh, so I had him, and then uh, we got that that guy up. And then the next guy, I was able to get him in the basket. And then the other one, you know, my mask got torn off when they grabbed me oh, and stuff. Oh, man. But I'm telling you, man, like I said, any 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 – Thing to all these new you know swimmers man you think these drills i mean dude it just kicked it it was like i didn't even have to think i didn't even i don't remember even thinking okay i need to do a front head hold with you know whatever yeah. dude it just 
boom, it happened. And I had the guy, you know, you know, <laughs> in, in a process awesome. together, like right away. So, uh, we are able to get my money was on you the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, so we got these guys and they, and you know, they had mentioned afterwards after we got them back and stuff, they said, uh, um, you know, we were scared you guys were going to leave us, you know, cause you left us before, you know, with that pump that didn't work. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But, yeah. um, pump that didn't but, work. Wait. Operator, yeah, so. operator error. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that, and then, you know, I did a plane crash in Savannah also where we showed up and it was uh, one of the army airplanes had crashed on Osbo Island. And, uh, actually his, the pilot that was uh, on it, um, his, his, he was the father of the, his, his daughter swam with my daughter, you know, it was crazy. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, I went down and it was just a smoke coming up, a little bit of smoke coming up. I mean, they had pile drived in. It was, and you know, the helicopter landed. I ran, I, <clears throat> I ran over and the, what was the only thing left smoking was, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, but it was, the, you know, the bodies, you know? Yeah, so, I get it. I get it. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I knew it was a plane crash. And I'm like, you know, that's really supposed to mess with stuff. But I said, I didn't care. So I called the helicopter and I said, hey, man, can you guys lower down? A, 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 can you land? I'm going to come get the fire extinguisher, you know, out of the helicopter. And I told them why. And they landed right away. And I got the fire extinguisher and I went over and, you know, I, I just, you know, I put them out. I'm like, I can't, you know, this is, you know, this is, there was no one else there. I mean, it was. The army hadn't showed up yet. We just, you know, found them and, you know, it was, it was bad, man. It was, it was a bad scene. So it's tough, but it's really you know, tough. stuff like that, it just sticks with you, man. You got to do stuff like that. It's, you know, when you tell these guys, you know, they, they're all gung ho about being swimmers. And I'm like, man, you, you know, there's a lot more to it, you know? And also when you come in, like in Savannah, man, every duty night, you come in every duty night, you had a night flight every duty night. So you would come in, you wait because the night check didn't come in till like six o'clock, five o'clock, you know, especially during the summer. So you'd come in, you'd have to, the Charleston plane would come back and you'd have to wash it and post flight it and fuel it. And then any other planes that were going on night flights, you had to get them ready. And then, um, and then, and then, you know, grab something to eat real quick. And then they had a night flight. And then you usually had to go on the night flight where they come out and deploy mm -hmm. you and drop you in the water at night and take off. And then, you know, they bring in another helicopter and do another evolution. And then you'd come back and you hang wash your gear out, hang it up and you're on duty. I mean, and then, yeah, you know, and, and that's why I always had two sets of like everything. And, uh, you know, you guys said, I mean, I mean, those life flights, they wore on you, man. It would be like, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about swimmers and you hear about the cases and all the glory and this and that and other thing, but there's a lot more that goes into that, man. And oh, you know, yeah. those, those nasty cases that a lot of people don't talk about and yeah. then the training, you know, you got to keep going. And one of the things that um, I was ready to be done with and when I was a swimmer, Oh, I didn't want ready. It kind of forced my hand into going warrant officer was, and I know this is going to sound silly, but, I had been stung so many times by jellyfish, the big Portuguese man of war. Yeah. One of the flights I went on in Savannah, 
you don't see them. And there's a lot of them in Savannah, a lot of them. And at night, you can't see them. You can't swim away from them. And all of a sudden, dude, I got stung across my face and went down oh. here, was actually bleeding. And it went down and then it went across my leg and down my, I mean, it was a long one. And I mean, I got stung bad. And and that wasn't the first time. I mean, I've been stung a lot of times, you know, from my whole, you know, Hawaii used to get stung, you know, all the different places. And uh, um, I was, we were doing training and then, you know, I got up back in the helicopter and I started uh, wheezing. I was breathing and my uh, airway was kind of constricting, you know, I was starting to, I was starting to wheeze, you know, and I'm like, holy crap, what the hell? And plus, you know, I'd been stung and everything. So um, we went back in and I went, you know, of course I went over to medical and the guy says, man, you need to start carrying the EpiPen. You're building like, you know, I used to get stung. It hurt. All right. You know, no yeah. big deal. Wash it off, you know, you know, live with it. But I had been stung so many times. I was starting to build a, you know, as I was getting, it was getting worse and worse every time. You know what I mean? Wow, so, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, um, they said, well, you know, try not to get stung anymore. And I'm like, yeah, that yeah. ain't happening. You know, Noted. that ain't happening. <laughs> I was locked out so, of way. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of things people don't, you know, and like I said, you know, a lot of people said, oh, you get to work out all the time. No, you have to work out. You know, you're having a bad day. You're, you know, you didn't sleep good at night. You had new, new, newborns at home and, you know, you didn't sleep, but, you know, you got to go run. You got to go run. You got to do your push up, sit ups. And, yeah. you know what I mean? You got to stay in shape and you have to do it, you know? So there's no, you know, I get to do it. You have to do it, you know, in order to stay qualified. So, yeah. you know, there's, you know, the swimmer program, that's why you got kind of a strong brotherhood. You know, all these guys have lived through all these things together, you know? Right. Right. And everybody's had, cases that were huge impacts on them you know and then you can share with each other and a lot of people don't understand you know and you could talk to them and you know and they and they know you know the training you went through and everything like that now don't get me wrong we there's a flip side to that too man we we had some pretty good times together too you know what i mean oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a group of guys that you know they work hard and play hard you know so, still do yeah it oh yeah still do guard. <laughs> yeah so but you know that we had a lot of cases in in savannah man i a lot of people you know we get lost in those marshes like i said families and we go down and i jumped in the water one time and i swam over to a boat with with a family in it and and i jumped on board and i'm like hey you know and they had been lost in the marsh and we were up high we found them you know they got called overdue we showed up and i jumped in the boat and the guy goes man you guys <clears throat> you sure are brave you you know, and I'm like, yeah, rescue swimmers, you know, what, you know, this, that. And he said, no, man, there's like a, no, I didn't say that. But, and then he said, there's been about a 12, 15 foot alligator hanging around a boat all night. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit, oh, really? Damn it. <laughs> man, I'm like, holy crap, man. Yeah, I saw a lot of alligators in Savannah, man, especially going up to Charleston all the time. So. But now, you know, there's, there's a lot more stuff, you know, like I said, we'd have good times together. And, um, um, but anyway, that's about it for now, man. I, you get me going, man. I, I'll keep going all day, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably definitely, you know, someone can listen to this on the way to taking a trip somewhere and get there and 
come back and still be going. So, <laughs> Steve, so. I have absolutely loved all of these stories. I'm, I'm glad we got an opportunity to do this again. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, no, sure. well, thanks for letting me, you know, let you, you know, I, I love sharing, man. And, you know, yeah. like I said, if, I, I like talking to, the, I would love to talk, to, you know, show up and talk to the new guys, you know, and, 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 and pass your knowledge. I mean, this is the best way to do it. You know, it's one of oh, the ways. Yeah. 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 Well, just to shop talk and telling stories and the lessons you've learned. And, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me here and say, you know what? Wow. I, I've learned a lot as far as there's another way to do it. So, or there's something yep. that you haven't thought about because you haven't experienced it yet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, awesome. that's what I'm saying. Keep, you know what, come up with those ideas, man. And, you know, shoot them. You know, I had, I could never get them to do it, but I said, man, when you're in the water and there, and you got someone that you need to put in the litter and you got them in a cross chest carry and you're holding their head above the rotor wash, you know what I'm talking about? And they're bringing oh, yeah. the, yep. the litter down. And you're yeah. trying to disconnect that litter and have the guy in a trust. You know, I always said, why don't you just come in low and slow and drop the litter, you know, yeah. drop kick it in it the water. Yeah. Just, kick it just drop it in. It'll pop up. I can go yeah. over, bring, grab the guy by the collar, hold him up towards the top of it and then undo and get him strapped in. I've done it before, yeah. you know? So it's like, you know, come up with those ideas, you know, come yeah. up with them. So, and you know how they always ask, you know, I've had people write me and stuff and say, Hey, what my son's going to be a swimmer. You know, what, what would you tell him? Everything like that. I said, well, I said, here's something to do. I said, something I'd tell him. I said, buy him a journal and tell him, oh, buy yeah. it small enough. So it'll fit in his flight bag. And I said, if you think of it on your duty night, pull it out and write. If you have a case, write the pilot's name, where you went you know, what you did. So, you know, it's at the end of your career or, you know, however long you're a swimmer, you can look back, you have all these, this info to go back on. You know what I mean? I wish I would have totally, that, you, know? Yeah. you know what I mean? There's stuff oh, yeah. That, yeah. that pops into my head. I'm like, Oh shit. I remember. Yeah. We did yeah. that. You know, God, I'm like, I forgot about that know? one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I said, you know, keep a journal, you know, it's yeah. kind of cool. You know, you go to, you know, right home, you got something, you know, tell them about and stuff. You have all the facts, right? Anyways. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. Steve, yeah. man, thank you again for coming on. I, you, we've been on here for a little while and I, I loved it. Yeah. I loved everything. Sorry, man. So, I, I, no I, way. I knew, I told you you were in trouble, man, because I took notes <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're in trouble, man. I got notes. You, you don't want to, you know, this so. is perfect. I appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah, well, Steve, so. the next time I come down to Florida, I'm buying you a beer. Just so you know, man, that. you better look me up. I swear to God, man, I, you know, I, I will go out in the boat. I got a boat. We'll go out in the boat. We'll sit on the sandbar and drink beers. It's great, man, because you can sit in the water and drink beer and pee all day. Um, okay. You don't even have to get up. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I right love on. it. I had Mike, Mike Steinbach came by and visited me, man. I took him to the sandbar oh, and uh, we anchored off and. I put the cooler on the back of the boat and we were just, you know, he had a big Hawaiian hat on and we're just floating in the water, drinking beers, telling stories, laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> we were laughing. And I think all the people around us, you know, they, they were in their boats on the sandbar and they're just like, what is wrong with those guys? <laughs> <laughs> 
We it's had perfectly a lot of fine, fun. Perfectly fine. You know what? I'm going to look forward to that. I'm going to put it in my calendar. I'm coming to visit you. We're going out on the boat to drink a beer. I love it. Dude, boat, Man, we go my, fishing. My we cheeks, go drink. I like ache right now. I've been smiling so much. <laughs> oh my well, god cool, all right brother well i will right, catch man. you later thank you so much i appreciate well, it thank man. you yeah thank Absolutely. you best of luck with the you know podcast man i hope it you know this is this is a great thing man i love listening to them so cool thanks brother all right, all right brother. and with that we'll ladies ya. and gentlemen we are out of here thank you for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>